This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. to the show that is all about uncovering the awesome in the everyday. Each week, my co-hosts and I give our favorite tips, share our best stories, and confide our true confessions as we invite you to join us in the pursuit of awesome. This is episode 62 of the show. I'm joined this week by my friend and regular co-host Rebecca Hoffer of SimplyRebecca.com. This week, we're answering a listener question. A question from an awesome who wanted to know all about our blogging lives, some of our high points and low points in our blogging journeys, as well as the things that we had written that had gotten some of the biggest reactions from our readers through the years. We're going to get to all of that in a minute, but first, you know, we always love to hear from you, our awesome community. And for the next few weeks, we would like to get some information from you in a little bit more formal way. We have a new listener survey out, and it would be so totally awesome if you have just a few short minutes to take that survey for us. You can find it at sortaawesomeshow.com slash survey, and just know that your answers to those questions will really help us so much as we plan what to bring you next here on Sorta Awesome. And again, that's sortaawesomeshow.com slash Survey, thank you so much for your help with that. We appreciate it. So let's go ahead and start the show the way we always do, Rebecca, with Awesome of the Week. What do you have for us this week? I have a two-part Awesome of the Week. Okay. So the first part is a YouTube channel that I found a while back. It is called Do It on a Dime, and it is led by Catherine. She says that her mission is to lead a beautiful, organized lifestyle on a frugal budget. And she says, let me show you how I live life on a dime. And Megan, she has nearly 300,000 subscribers on her channel. Wow, that's huge. It is huge. And she's so delightful. She is a naturally organized person. She's crafty. She thrives off of spending little and doing big things with it. She does these pantry makeovers that are just amazing. And let me tell you, Megan, (laughs) my, my pantry on a good day is always one of her before photos. Let me tell you. (laughs) 
And what she does is she specializes in organizing and buying fun stuff through the Dollar Tree, which is the store that, you know, sells everything for a dollar. And so I had no idea, but apparently the dollar store is actually a really good place to go for organizing containers and stuff. Really? I, I would not have guessed that. I'm I'm a bad Dollar Tree and Dollar Store shopper, so I had no idea. Okay, well, you're going to have to check out Catherine's channel because she has tons of dollar store themed videos where she does hauls, where she talks about the best products and the worst products to buy at the Dollar Tree. Her video from this week is called Dollar Tree Hacks, the summer edition. And she lists a whole bunch of fun things that you can get at the dollar store to make your summer better. And my favorite one that she mentioned was using one of those pop-up mesh hampers. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Use that to store and carry beach toys. Oh, that's so good because you don't mind if it gets wet and you can cram everything down in there. That's such a great idea. Exactly. And it has, you know, it's mesh so you can shake it to get all the sand out or you could even rinse all the toys off right there with the hose and it just all goes right out. So she has tons of ideas like that. So here's where part two of my awesome of the week comes in. So first of all, everybody needs to check out Do It On A Dime. Yes. But then the... (laughs) The part that I'm even more excited about is that I got my mother hooked on watching Catherine. And she came to my house last month and helped me reorganize some of my spaces. And Megan, she used inspiration from Do It On A Dime in my home. She went to the Dollar Tree like three or four times that week (laughs) buying these different (laughs) containers for me. I don't know what my problem is. But I had no idea how valuable storage containers actually were in organizing things. That's what? that's pretty incredible. That's a lot of awesome to have your mom show up with all of the supplies and be like, here, child, let's organize. I wish that would happen in my life. <laughs> it was so amazing. Awesome. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And I don't know why it took me so long to figure out that instead of piling the snacks in my kids like snack cupboard to have a bin for the snacks so that I could easily pull them out and put it back in or the CDs that I keep above my kitchen sink why I don't have those in a container so that I can eat oh my goodness Megan I felt like I was kind of like five years old like why (laughs) why did I not know how helpful this stuff is Right, right. But my mom knew, thanks to Do It On A Dime. So you guys have to check it out. We'll put a link to the Summer Hacks and her channel in general in the show notes. Because let me tell you, I didn't know how bad my organizing skills were until my mother did a Do It On A Dime makeover in my house. So so tell me, Megan, what is your awesome of the week? I do have a good one to share this week. I do want to prepare everyone as you're listening for the fact that my children are now on summer break. So if you hear in the background something that sounds like a three ring circus is run amok, <laughs> it's because my children are running amok through the house right now. So we'll see how well my uh, big girls earn their babysitting dollars today. But just be prepared if you hear some craziness. That's why. <laughs> Bring on the crazy. We can't wait. Summer crazy is here for us. So, okay, so my awesome of the week is a series that has been going on on one of my very favorite podcasts. The podcast is Reply All, which I absolutely love. It's at the top of my must listen list every time there's a new episode. It's produced by Gimlet Media. And the show itself explores 
interesting, fascinating stories that are somehow related to online culture. So that's sort of the hook. Anything that has to do with anything past, present, future of internet culture is what's covered on Reply All. It's hosted by Alex Goldman and PJ Voigt. I absolutely adore them. They are so much fun. Well, on Reply All, they have put together a series that I think will be super fascinating to all of our true crime fans who are listening. And I know there are a lot of you out there. It's a four-part series. Three parts of it have been released as we record. So we're in the first week of June right now. The name of the series is called On the Inside. And so this series began because one of their producers, Sruthi Pinamanani, started the story by investigating this man named Paul Madrowski, who is in prison for a murder that he says that he did not commit. And so the story began because Sruthi was checking out this story because Paul had a really interesting blog. And he covered all kinds of topics in depth, just all kinds of opinions given on everything from current events to sports to life in prison. And it caught Sruthi's attention because she knew he couldn't have been blogging this stuff directly from prison because he's in a maximum security prison where he did not have access to the internet. So that was how she kind of got involved in this story. Well, what starts as an exploration in how exactly Paul had been blogging from prison for all of this time, it really goes down this incredible rabbit hole into his case, why he's in prison, and you just meet this whole cast of characters who played into this event that happened in Paul's life that essentially landed him in prison. Now, I don't want to give away anything else. I will say it's just super fascinating. I would even say it's a listen alike for season one of Serial. In fact, in this series on the inside from Reply All, they include some pretty big winks to the audience that just kind of let you know that they know that it's really similar to some of the ways that season one of Serial played out. So I just, I don't know, it's been so good. Like I said, They have released parts one, two, and three of this series. There's one more part coming. They have done a fantastic job. It's really outside of the realm of their usual episodes. So I have been loving it. It's the podcast again is called Reply All. You're going to want to look for On the Inside, parts one, two, three, and coming very soon, part four. So that is my awesome of the week. One of the reasons why Reply All is one of my favorite podcasts is because they do so much to talk about internet culture. Well, I have lived and worked in internet culture for 10 years now, for a whole decade of my life. I have been working in the online realm in some way. So when we saw this question from a listener, Rebecca and I thought this would be so fun to explore together because the realm of blogging is what brought Rebecca and I together to begin with. So let me just read this listener question. She said, how about a behind the scenes of your past blogging life? Past for me, because you all may know and remember that I closed my blog in 2014, but Rebecca is still currently blogging, just to clarify that. So she wondered about posts that got the most reaction, any controversial topics that we covered, and basically just the good, the bad, and the ugly of blogging. So we are going to do that. We're going to take a trip down memory lane and talk about how and why we started our blogs. We're going to talk about some of the best parts of it and some of the not so great parts. And then we'll discuss Is blogging even relevant still in 2016? And if somebody wants to share their life in the online realm, what other ways can you do that besides blogging now? So we're going to get into all of that. But Rebecca, let's just start with you. When did you start blogging and why? 
I started blogging in December of 2009, and that was shortly after I had my first daughter, Grace, and I left my full-time job. And honestly, I started blogging because I kind of just needed an outlet for ideas that I had that I thought for some reason people might want to (laughs) know. That's, I think, the impetus for every blog that has ever been started. (laughs) I I have opinions that people should hear, right? (laughs) Right, I don't know why I ever thought that anybody would want to. But so, yeah, so I started my blog then, and it really was very good for me. In all seriousness, it was excellent for me to have more of a creative outlet of something to do with my time. I was a communications video and theater major in college, and this truly fit that for me more so than just breastfeeding and changing diapers fit that for me. Right, right, right. So I ended that next year, 2010, with 25 subscribers. (laughs) And I just remember just how awesome that was and thinking, oh my goodness, these people. There's 25 people who want to know my words about things. (laughs) My high school friends and my aunts. (laughs) My mom. They want to know what I have to say. (laughs) And now... Megan, now I send my emails out to a few thousand people, which boggles my mind. I I had no idea where my blogging journey would take me. No idea. Now, when you started out, well, did you have big goals and aspirations or did you think "Eh, nobody will actually read it? I had no intention of anyone that I knew in real life ever reading it. I thought it would stay solely in the online realm. So I started my blog, Sort of Crunchy, back in 2006. And my oldest daughter, Daisy, who is now about to start middle school in a few short months, she had just turned one. And so, well, actually started with with breastfeeding. I had no idea anything about what my life was going to look like as a mom. And I really got kind of swept up into breastfeeding advocacy. Um, I found it to be such a comforting and warm and welcoming community for a new mom. And that led me down the path to exploring cloth diapering. And then I found myself getting really, really into this whole thing of natural family living approach to parenting. And like you, Rebecca, I had a lot of thoughts and thoughts that I thought maybe people might like to read And so most of my thoughts were about this sort of crunchy approach to parenting and to family life. So I started this blog called Sort of Crunchy. I had no intention of any of my friends or family reading it. I did share it with an online group of friends. I've talked a little bit about this group of friends on the show before, but they were my first like really solid group of friends that we all had met in this online space. And that was the group of moms that we originally had met on a baby center Uh, baby forum back in 2004 when we all got pregnant with our 2005 babies. So I shared that with them. And then I discovered as I started this blog, which by the way, I started on Blogger. So it was like a a blogspot.com address for my first blog. It was on one of their original, very plain templates. I shared it with my online friends because they knew I was into this whole like cloth diapering and baby wearing thing. But yeah, I don't I don't think I had any goals at that time other than just a place to talk about these topics I was passionate about, but I did not know anybody in my real life community of friends who wanted to talk about 
cloth diapering for hours on end or talk about all of the different kinds of baby carriers and slings and all of that that was available back in 2006 for uh, for moms to wear their babies and all of that. So yeah, th- that was the beginning. It evolved through the years and really took on more of a parenting focus, especially as my both of my girls kind of got older and moved out of the baby stage. I still kind of talked about natural family living stuff. I talked about using the oil cleansing method. Um, and we sort of transitioned into really focusing on real food and not having so much processed food around the house. I wrote about that. I wrote about using cloth toilet paper. <laughs> Megan, no, you didn't. Which is one thing I regret. <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could scrub from the from the archives, but the internet never forgets. So, <laughs> do you, okay. Can we just pause here for a moment? Do you still use cloth toilet paper? We don't anymore. When when the twins came along, that was a big seismic shift in our family, and a lot of the crunchy things that I had practiced in the past, I just did not even have the energy for anymore, including cloth toilet paper. But Rebecca, I wrote about that topic more than one time. <laughs> I am reading it tonight. <laughs> I'll put some links in the show notes if you all want to join me in my embarrassment over some of the things I've written about. <laughs> okay, I am a huge fan of the sort of crunchy lifestyle. I really am. But I have been told by my mother that I will be written out of her will if I ever experiment with family cloth. So I just use that as my excuse. I cannot. (laughs) Uh, Well, some of us have done it and written about it on the internet. So that's so funny. You know, I find it fascinating that you started your blog and didn't tell any family and only strangers were reading what you were writing. Mm -hmm. And I had the exact opposite experience. At that point, I didn't have any online friends and only people that I knew read my blog. And I remember getting, you know, the first comment or subscriber from an email address or a person I didn't recognize and be like, whoa, who's that? Yeah. (laughs) I remember that too, because like I said, I I did start with this this online group of other mom friends that I had. But then once I started publishing and and people started coming from all around, you know, like all around the country and from Canada and other places and were commenting, I was completely blown away. It was amazing. But I did not want anyone in my family or friends to know about it for a long time. But you did you actually like share the link? Did you like email people like, hey, I have a blog, come read. Yes, I was totally obnoxious (laughs) like that. No, I didn't send emails out to people, but I think day one of my blog, I posted it on Facebook and said, I'm doing this. Surely you all want to read what I have to say. That's so funny. You're such an ESFB, Rebecca. Oh, I (laughs) am. I am. I am. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So both of us have been doing this for quite a while. We've been living and working in this online realm for a while. And even with blogs like ours, which were mostly, wouldn't you say, probably simply Rebecca as well, sort of crunchy, they're kind of like family geared, like family life oriented. Even in that, even in the realm of talking about family life, I think both of us have written some things that have garnered a lot of attention through the years that have really caused some discussion, which you wouldn't think when you're blogging about family life that would happen. But Rebecca, I'm thinking of a specific story, something that happened to you due to a blog post that you had. You want to, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. I know <laughs> you what you're talking about. You want to share that story a little bit? Oh, my word. Okay. Awesome. So did you know that you, <laughs> I'm like embarrassed to even <laughs> 
It's on the internet okay. already, and I also already talked about cloth toilet paper, so you really well, have yes. nothing to be embarrassed about. You know, this is almost maybe as bad in some people's eyes, but okay, so you know those disposable swim diapers, mm-hmm. Huggies, little swimmers? Yes. Did you know that you can wash and reuse those <laughs> in the washing machine? Well, I did not know that until I read a blog post review about it. <laughs> so... I heard this somewhere online and I thought, well, I'm going to give this a try. And I tried it for a while and it worked out really well for me. A girlfriend had gifted me half a pack of her leftover swim diapers and I was able to stretch them throughout the whole summer. You just throw them in the washing machine inside out, let them air dry and you can reuse them like maybe three or four times. Yeah, because they're not cheap. You know, those specialized swim diapers are not cheap. No, they're not cheap. But Anyway, I wrote about this back in 2010, and the post received minimal feedback. You know, people were intrigued. They're like, oh, this is so interesting. I had no idea. I'm going to give this a try. And then our dear friend, that stinker, Erin Odom from The Humbled Homemaker, she's been a co-host here, guest Mm co-host on Sort of Awesome. Well, she has quite the following on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And she ever so kindly, I say in air quotes, (laughs) (laughs) did me a favor and shared that blog post on her Facebook page. Well, let's just say they didn't exactly love it, Megan. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I remember this all as it went down. It was very upsetting, wasn't it? Well, okay. So it's at, at first glance, it looks like it was really awesome because it had the post had over one thousand one hundred and thirteen likes, over three hundred comments, and three thousand nine hundred and thirty two shares. Oh my gosh. On Facebook, Whoa. yeah. What well, I never see that kind of interaction on one of my posts normally. Yeah. And at that point in time, that was the highest traffic day ever I had had on my blog, and. It, 16, over 16,000 unique people came to my website that day. Wow. Unfortunately, the majority of them thought that I was disgusting or an idiot or both. (laughs) (laughs) So the problem was that the natural living community, the cloth diaper lovers thought, well, this lady is such an idiot. Why doesn't she just buy a cloth swim diaper that is meant to be washed and reused Mm -hmm. and use that? This is ridiculous. Don't, why would you wash this disposable one? That's so disgusting to have those chemicals on your baby's bottom. And then the disposable diaper community or more of the conventional crowd thought that I was disgusting for ever wanting to wash and reuse something like that. Yeah. Megan, it was horrible. So I got all kinds of comments. Um, I have some of them here. That's the worst idea I've ever heard. That's disgusting. Please don't. Just don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to file this advice under never. (laughs) Well, this is the worst post I've ever seen from this page. And I believe that that comment was left on Crystal Payne's page, Money Saving Mom. (laughs) She posted this on Facebook, and I was mortified. Yes. Just another comment. It's like those people who have a cabinet full of solo cups they washed. If frugal is your goal, buy and use the real thing. I mean, it just went on and on and on. Some of the comments were simply, ew. I mean, it was just horrible. But then... The kicker for me, for it all, was somebody wrote, 
I'm a home birther and I can't see why people even use disposable diapers or swimmies. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what does her being a home birther have to do with this She just wanted you to know. <laughs> but the thing is, is I felt like, but hey, I'm I, like, I'm, she was saying, I'm in this like natural living club, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, but I felt like, well, I'm in this natural living club. Yes. I had a natural birth. It wasn't at home, but, and I breastfed my children and that whole experience to me of seeing the natural living community really kind of turn on me, even mm. though I felt like, hey, I'm one of you guys. Right. It really opened up my eyes to how important it is for us to be celebrating the baby steps that people are making in life. Yeah, totally. And that nobody would criticize somebody starting a new health routine by simply running around the block and say, well, my goodness, why didn't you go for the full marathon? Right. But I feel like in the natural living community, we kind of have that expectation that it is all or nothing or it's just not good enough. Right, right. So ever since then, I just took that philosophy on my blog really to heart of, hey, we are celebrating where people are at and people who are striving to make better. And if you're going to wash and reuse your swim diapers, go for it. We go don't for need it. To be, but yeah, don't tell we, the internet. <laughs> don't tell the internet. Oh, my word. I'm like, this is what I'm going to be known for. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yes. I remember that whole thing as it went down. And in fact, you even wrote some follow-up thoughts on your blog about that, didn't you? About that feeling of the natural community turning against you as a response to that post. And Megan, every time I share that post, I receive tons of support and positive feedback. I think it's because it's something that a lot of people have felt either online or in real life of just this judgment that you're not doing it good enough. Right, right. And it's something that I think we should really try to avoid any race from, especially from the natural living community, but just all online communities in general. Yes. Yeah, that was, yeah, there's some really good lessons to be learned in that. And, and that the propensity for online shaming and just like casting such quick judgment based on just one little thing that you read about somebody is that's a real thing and definitely sort of one of the hazards I think of putting yourself out there on the internet now when I think about your blog though again controversy (laughs) is not at the top of my descriptors I would use for you (laughs) yeah I gotta know is there anything that really struck a chord with people There's a couple of topics that kind of brought a little bit of pushback. I do have to say through all of the years of blogging, I never had anybody who was really outright rude in their comments or in their response, but some some discussions stirred up bigger feelings than others. So for example, as part of an early series I did before uh, my co-author Laura Oyer and I published our book, I had written some stuff about babies and sleep and how we did not practice any kind of sleep training with our babies. And anytime you, even to this day, anytime you broach the to sleep train or not sleep train question, big feelings come up. But I feel like everybody kind of handled it. Well, they definitely, they handled it really well and really respectfully. But that was probably one of the more controversial topics I covered. And then I, I did write about vaccine choices, which is always controversial. But I took the approach of in my family, We have a a documented, medically documented history of vaccine injury. So for my children, I use a different schedule, a more delayed selective schedule for for vaccines for our kids. And so I have shared 
a couple of times about that, shared what our vaccine schedule was at the time and um, what are, why we made those choices and some of those things. And as you can imagine, anytime you're talking to any person <laughs> about vaccine choices, it brings out the big feelings. Again, it was almost always handled so respectfully, even when people were not agreeing with the choices that I made. But that was definitely one of the more controversial things that I ever got into. Um, in terms of posts that got a lot of reaction out of people, we've talked several times about my 15 tips for highly sensitive parents posts. That one took off. I think most people who consider themselves highly sensitive had just never, maybe before they read that post, had never really known that there was a, that it was a thing. It was a legit thing that they're so sensitive to some of the, um, you know, external stimulation that comes into our lives when we're parenting. So that one was really big. And then another one that actually was just rereading to kind of prep for this show uh, one that got a lot of response was back in 2014, after the actor Robin Williams committed suicide, uh, a very well-known blogger um, named Matt Walsh wrote a post about Robin Williams' suicide. And in it, he kind of inferred the way I, the way I read his post. I felt like he was inferring that as Christians, the solution to depression is to experience the joy of living the Christian life. And that was, it came at a super sensitive and raw, vulnerable time in my life. I was really on the heels of recovering from postpartum depression, which I had terribly after the twins were born. And it just really struck me that that was not what people who are of the Christian faith need to hear about their struggles with mental health issues. And so I wrote a post called The Depressed Christian, Why the Dark Night is No Measure of Your Soul. And a lot of people really responded to that. A lot of people who um, share our faith, who have struggled with various mental health issues through the years, whether it's depression or anxiety or whatever, um, it, it really spoke to them. I was super vulnerable in it. In fact, when I was rereading it just a little bit ago, I was like, wow, this was really vulnerable. <laughs> I don't know if I would have written this this way now, but it was it was so true to where I was in that moment in 2014. So, you know, when those pieces really landed with people, it was very rewarding, not in a sense of like, oh my gosh, I'm so great. I'm so good at this. But just that sense of fulfillment of I'm not alone in this. And I'm helping other people know they're not alone in this. So that was one of the biggest gifts of blogging to me through the years was just people being like, oh my gosh, I'm reading your words and I'm thinking me too. That was really huge for me. So true. So true. That validation is definitely one of the awesome things that has come into my life through blogging yes. and from my whole blogging experience. Just that feeling of being able to give a voice to people who are experiencing a, you know, a heartbreak or, or even those who are looking for those answers, like your delayed vaccination schedule or questions about which baby sling is best. You know, there's a voice available out there for everybody. And it's just awesome to be able to help give that to people. So true. So true. That's definitely one of the things that I genuinely loved so much about blogging. And I think for me too, especially when I was starting out, really, it was so important to me when I was starting out, blogging really brought to me a sense of community and a sense of belonging in some place. And it, when I very first started these practices like cloth diapering, like baby wearing, I really felt like nobody else is doing this. It's much more mainstream now, Rebecca. Like everywhere I go, I see babies in slings, like in the like fancy expensive woven slings and 
babies have cloth diapers on everywhere. <laughs> it's so much more mainstream, even here in Oklahoma, which is not known for being crunchy. It really is. But back in those days, you guys, back in 2006, it was still a little bit countercultural. And so the fact that I could share these things online and other people who practice these same things, we could find each other. I mean, it was before Facebook. It was before a lot of the social networks that connect us now. And blogging, the comment sections of blogs, that was where we were meeting so many friends. And so another thing that blogging gave me genuinely are such deep friendships that have grown through the years and have deepened. Not all of the people that I made these deep friendships with while we were blogging, a lot of us are not blogging anymore, but the friendships have remained through the years. And, you know, and finally, I I would have to say, of course, being able to publish the book, Spirit-Led Parenting, which again, I co-wrote with my friend, Laura Oyer, we met also online and being able to have a platform to put that message out and to create a book around it. I am so thankful for that. I am so glad, Rebecca, that I got that book out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Publishing the book, taught me that I am not meant to be an author. I will probably always be a writer, but I'm definitely not meant to write and publish book after book after book. That is not my calling. And I probably would have never known that unless I got that book out. And then I was able to like be like, okay, I did that. Now, <laughs> let's move on to the next thing. So I think that blogging for as long as I did really loosened me up and prepared me to be willing to experiment and try new things and keep exploring and keep asking what my calling is and what form that might take. So in that sense, I am so I don't think that the book ever would have come about if it had not been for the years I had spent blogging and building a community for that. So that was a huge gift to my life and to a sense of, again, fulfillment in that I was able to share a message that has spoken to lots of other parents through the years. So... What about you? I know there's got to be more that is awesome in your life that uh, has come to you through blogging. Well, definitely along the same lines of you uh, of the friendships and just the community. I am voxing with people on a regular basis that I've never met before in real life. I flew all the way to California this past winter to visit friends. It's just those friendships really do just mean a lot to me. Also, I would say validation in who I am as a woman that I am. How do I say this? I want to be sensitive to how I say this because I believe that being a mom is so important and so valuable. But yet there's parts of me and my creativity and my brain that just aren't quite tapped into in the mom role and I hate to say I'm more than just a mom because I I don't like that phrase you know moms are just you know what I'm trying to say but I love that I can use my other giftings through my blog I can experiment with photography I can experiment with the written word I can experiment with video and it's and it's well received maybe this is super shallow of me and maybe again this is the ESFP in me but when I post something on Instagram that gets a lot of likes or comments sometimes I just feel like that's just like a little pat on my back that okay Rebecca yes you're doing you're doing okay at least on Instagram you're doing at okay. least on Instagram you are killing it <laughs> goodness being a mom sometimes feels like such a thankless job and so on a purely selfish level I love 
the likes. I love the comments. I love the traffic. I love the new subscribers. It feels good. It feels like I am appreciated, sure. even on just a very basic level. And I, you know, everybody just wants to feel appreciated. Sure, that's so true. And I think that there's something about blogging or whatever social media medium that you're working in. It's very quantifiable. Like you said, like you can publish a post and then you can watch the page views as they start to come in. And it feels like there's an instant response to that. Whereas the work of family life, whatever that looks like for, for some of us, it's, there's no quantifiable thing other than, okay, everybody lived through today. And we're going right. to tuck everybody in and we're going to get up and do it again tomorrow. There's no like immediate response. It's a long haul. Whereas with working in the arena of social media, you can see the feedback right then and there. And that's that's gratifying, too. Very much so. I will also say that the additional money in my checking account is also very gratifying. Yes. And that, that was a huge surprise to me. When I started my blogging journey, I knew that there were some people who did this as a profession or even as like a part-time job that they earned money from it. And I thought, that's never going to happen to me. Me and my 25 friends who I know in real life that are reading my blog (laughs) are not going to be earning me any bank. (laughs) Right, right. But that has changed. And it really has been awesome in my life, awesome for me to be able to send my daughter to dance classes and know that my blog money can pay for that extra expense and that we've been able to use money to pay off student loan debts and things like that is huge for me and my family. It's been such a blessing. Blogging has been such a blessing so many, so many ways, some extremely tangible like the money and some that you just can't measure like the friendships. Yes, I so agree with that. That's so great. There is so much awesome. Of course, too, as our listener alluded to in her question, there are definitely some bad or some of the ugly of blogging. And especially, Rebecca, you and I have been doing this for so long or have seen blogging evolve over time, uh, what are some of the bad or ugly things that come to mind for you when you think about blogging? I think for me, one of the biggest things is just how much there is outside of actually sitting down and writing and publishing a blog post. Yes, it's so much more time than you ever think it's going to be. Every single time. (laughs) Every single time. First of all, writing an actual post can take me like I don't know, five million years to actually get it done. (laughs) Approximately. (laughs) And then on top of that, there's all of the new social media that has developed that you have to go and promote it on. I mean, Pinterest wasn't a thing when I started my blog. I'm not sure if Instagram was, but I didn't have an account. I didn't even have a Facebook page when I first started my blog. I mean, all these different things. And then the business and accounting management. I mean, Starting to make money from your blog is fantastic, but uh, honey child, you got to track that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then responding to emails. I don't know about you, Megan, but I get so many bogus emails of, oh, gosh. I would like to sponsor your po- your mm-hmm. blog or I, I want to write a post for you and this and that. And it's just none of it is ever any good. And then every once in a while you get an email from an actual reader and you're like, oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> it's a real person. And then there's hosting issues or working with your ad network. Megan, I had a day back in February that was horrific. It was one of the worst blogging days of my life. 
which is amazing because I, of that whole disposable diaper fiasco. And it wasn't that day. This is even worse. <laughs> this is even worse. And none of it had to do with me actually like blogging, like writing and taking a picture and posting it online. My blog's email stopped working. Mm-hmm. When I got that fixed, 33,000 emails started to come back into my inbox. That's a lot of email. Yeah. Did you hear That's me? 33,000 emails. Every email that I had ever received to my blog's email address started to come back. Oh to me. my gosh, what a nightmare. Thankfully, 33,000 emails is kind of a lot to receive at once. Uh-huh. So they were coming in, you know, in like batches of 100, like throughout the hours, and they weren't all actually instantly in my inbox and I was able to get it stopped around I don't know I think I had like 24,000 still left to come in my inbox or something (laughs) so all those emails started coming back in at the same time that all those emails were coming my blog went down which meant that people couldn't access my site which is not a good thing because that's the whole point of having a blog right and so I spent over four hours on the phone with my host talking to multiple people, trying to figure out what the problem was, if it was on my end, if it was on their end, did I need to upgrade something, yada, yada, yada. And my van had a flat tire. I mean, that was... (laughs) To top it all off, That was my day. I spent so much time on the phone. My kids were cranky and upset and like, mommy, why aren't you paying any attention to us? And I'm like running to fix the flat tire and I'm like on the phone and I'm like deleting emails, delete, delete, delete. And none of that was like fun, like, oh, here's a new recipe I tried. You're going to love it. No, it was all this other ugly, ugly blogging stuff. Yes. Yes. Disgusting. Yeah. It sounds, yeah, it sounds so exhausting. I cannot even imagine. But you made it through and got it all straightened out. But man, what a dark day in the history of Simply Rebecca. (laughs) (laughs) It was a terrible day. But I mean, so obviously, that's like the darkest of dark days. But in reality, those types of things on like even a much smaller scale, they take up a lot of time. And I find that for myself, they take up a lot of my just energy in general. And I find myself kind of zapped then when it comes to actually producing creative things to put out there online that I feel like I don't have it in me to sure. put it out. And, and you know, a true confession for me is that I have really cut back on publishing posts on my blog, partially because I feel like I just don't have it in me to give that, which yeah. is really sad in a way. And I like, I hate that. I hate that I can't even seem to publish one blog post a week. Yeah, I hate that. There's pressure with blogging too. And I don't know, maybe you've experienced that a lot and maybe you can speak to that, but sometimes you just feel like you're constantly being asked of. Absolutely. I mean, for me, that is the biggest part that I would say is the bad or the ugly is the non-endingness of it. You know, it just goes on and on and on. And and you start to get a sense after a while, as quickly as all social media moves, you start to believe that you as a blogger are only as good as your last post. 
And there is a, you know, there for a while there was a big movement in like only publish things that are excellent, only publish posts that are awesome. We need you to bring your awesome to the table every time. And that is so far from where I started as a blogger back in 2006 with my blogger blog, where it was just little short snippets of life. And hey, I learned this and isn't it so great? Isn't it so cool? And then to be, you know, rerouted and like everything has to be excellent. Everything has to be Pinterest worthy. Everything has to be great. Or you're just going to get lost in the shuffle. That was, like you said, the pressure of that was very exhausting for me after a while. And then Laura Tremaine, one of our other co-hosts who also closed her blog recently, we've talked about this, just just the on and onness of it, that there was never an endpoint, never like that sense of completion. Like this was a project and it was great. And now I'm done until you know, for each of us closing our blogs, that was ultimately where it stopped. But as long as we were still in the blogging game, and as long as we were still keeping our blogs open, there was always that thing hanging over us of I got to write another post, I got to publish another post, is this bloggable? Is this Pinterest worthy? And it kind of for me, and I am not saying this happens to every blogger by, by no means am I saying this, I do not, do not intend to brush with broad strokes here. But for me, it kind of made me have a distorted lens on life because I was constantly thinking like, you know, should I put this on Instagram? Should I write a post about this? And, uh, and that's fine for a while. But for years and years of thinking about life that way, it just, I mean, it led to obviously some severe burnout for me. So anyway, those are some of the bigger, bigger challenges and the ugly of blogging for me. So I mean, I guess all of this kind of leads to the question that gets tossed around a lot, has come up a couple of times in the past few years in bigger discussions. Is blogging dead? Is it still relevant in 2016? Rebecca, you are still currently actively blogging. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thought is no. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) my blog isn't dead. It might be on life support at times, but it's not dead. So when people ask me, and I have heard before, you know, are people still even reading blogs? And I think, well, yeah. I mean, people are still coming to my blog. I'm still getting new subscribers all the time. I'm still getting new followers on this social media or that social media. I think it does look different, though. And I think that the way that I consume blogs myself has really changed. But part of me wonders if... It's more the, the stage of life that I'm in that has changed, ah, that yes. I'm not so much that new mom mm-hmm. looking for the new parenting advice, or I'm not so new to the natural living community that I'm wondering, okay, so like what are essential oils? Right. And what do I use them for? Or do I want to try this dreaded family cloth? No, no, I do not. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so part of me wonders if, well, maybe just blogging is dying more for my stage of life and my friends because we don't need it quite as much as what we did when we were younger. But then I think too, well, people are consuming blog content a lot. I see it shared on Facebook, on Pinterest all the time. I think that perhaps the days of opening up your Google blog reader Mm. to go through all those days posts, those days are dead, but I don't think that blogging as a whole is dead. Rest in peace, Google Reader. I honestly feel like that a shift happened in the blogging community when Google Reader went away because it was such a reliable, um, comfortable way that people knew they could read blog content. So I do think that that was 
a big change. I wouldn't say that was the beginning of the end or anything, but it, it definitely necessitated a lot of change for bloggers. I mean, even though I don't blog anymore, I do not think that blogging is dead. I think it still serves a great purpose for lots of things. For example, for spreading a message. I think that blogging gives a voice to people who without blogging would never have gained access to a public venue to share their ideas, whether it was because of their age or gender, their ethnicity, their orientation, whatever would have stopped them from having a public voice. Blogging took all of that away. And I think it still allows people from wherever they are in the world, literally, to be able to spread their message. And you and I have enough author friends that we know how important that medium is, that how important blogging is for getting your message about your book out there. So, you know, for me, blogs are still a great way to learn things. I visit cooking and recipe blogs all the time. I am so thankful for food bloggers who are constantly trying new recipes and sharing those. Um, I read reading blogs to find new books and definitely kids activity blogs. So I think that it's just so different from when I started in 2006 in that blogs that have a more specific purpose, instead of just kind of sharing, this is our life type blogs, which there's, there's still plenty of room for, but in terms of making it as a blogger, you have to be able to find that specific purpose or that specific message that you want to share. But once you do that, there's definitely still relevance to the blogging world. And I still think it's totally great. If you want to start a family blog to share pictures or snippets of your life, that's great. Although I do have to say a lot of people just use other forms of social media now for that instead of worrying with all of the headaches and uh, the things like the disastrous days that you were referenced earlier that can happen when you have an actual blog, they use Facebook or Instagram or whatever. So yeah. Well, and that's one thing that I would say in talking about if blogging is dead or not, is that I don't think it's dead, but I don't think it's necessary like ah, it used to be. That's a good And I, f- I feel like we have talked, you and I and Kelly and Laura, as the three of you have experimented with closing or, you know, putting your blogs on hold, that the three of the four of us have talked quite a bit about, you know, blogging used to be the very center of the wheel for absolutely everything. And then you would have Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and your YouTube channel to support and all feed into the blog. But the shift that seems to have happened lately is that the blog and the website doesn't necessarily have to be that center hub anymore. Right. Yes. That's a huge change from how it used to be. So instead, you could have YouTube be your main focus and your main channel. And then you have a website that just supports and feeds into that every now and again as your backup or or your podcast or, you know, Facebook Live. I mean, anything yes. can now be the center of your online community and it doesn't have to be your blog. I think that's so true, Rebecca. I'm so glad you brought those things up because I do see these different forms of social media coming in and kind of taking the place. Although, again, I don't want anybody who's listening who wants to start a blog to feel totally discouraged because... Oh, no. Please I, do. Yeah. There's I, room for everybody. There is room for everyone. And if if the thought of blogging makes you happy, if it makes you feel energized, if it feels like something you want to pursue... I say go for it. In fact, if you want to hear Rebecca and I share some more of our more practical tips, you can go all the way back to episode 13 of Sorta Awesome. Rebecca and I answered some how-to 
questions about blogging back then. But yes, I think you should go for it. But I love what you said is that people are exploring these new mediums as they come out. So yes, you have vloggers who are doing their video blogging on YouTube, sharing a lot of the same things that we used to share on blogs, just little snippets of daily life they're sharing now on YouTube. They're utilizing Facebook Live and Periscope and all of these things, or maybe they're starting a podcast (laughs) or they're microblogging. I have seen so many people, women that I follow who used to have really successful blogs who really don't blog formally anymore, but like on Instagram, they'll post a picture, like a, you know, a little uh, snippet of life, whether it's food or restaurant or kids or activities, vacation, whatever. And then they use the caption space on Instagram to create a little mini blog post that shares more insight into their life, the kinds of insights into life that they would have shared on their blogs. It's just easier or more convenient or whatever the case may be to share on Instagram now. Um, You also have other companies coming into the space that are allowing people to publish just a one-off piece. For example, medium.com, which is a publishing platform where anybody can publish a piece of writing. I mean, anyone from the president and the first lady all the way down to you and me or whoever, if you have thoughts that you want to share, you can go to Medium and you can type it up. So if you don't really want to have a blog, but you've got some really big feelings about this topic and you just want to share it with the world, you can go to Medium, write it, share it, and you don't have to worry about any of the hassle of starting and maintaining a blog. So I have never heard of this before. Oh my gosh, Rebecca, I love Medium. It's so great. I get a daily email from them. I have an account there. I've never published there, but I get a daily email with the staff picks of some of the best pieces from there. I have read some of the most interesting things that I never, ever would have come across if they weren't published on Medium. Now, some things are a little dramatic. Some things can get a little eye roll worthy because, again, it's just open to anybody. So people are just saying all kinds of stuff. But there's some really great opinion pieces and also things that you can learn, things that I never would have known, like about the tech industry or the medical industry all types of things. Um, And again, you can read thoughts straight from President Obama if you want to on Medium. So yeah, they're answering that need that people have to like, I have this, I have this thing I want to say, and I don't want to just say it on Facebook, I want anybody to be able to read it. And so they're filling that gap for people. So well, Megan, do you remember way back in the day when on Facebook, you only could use 256 characters? (laughs) Yes. That's why there used to be a notes function on Facebook, right? Exactly. Exactly. So I feel like it's all of these little layers of changes that we've seen in social media and the online culture that have led to this shift with blogging. Yes. So, you know, people can only share 256 things about their day on Facebook. So (laughs) instead, they're doing a full blog post where they can share all the pictures and then, you know, there's the change of Google Reader dying, which we didn't really explain before, but for anybody who doesn't know what Google Reader is, it was a way that you could subscribe to multiple blogs, and it was kind of like your hub. You would open up the web page with all of your subscriptions, and any new blog post that existed from one of your blogs would be listed there for you to read, and then you could mark them as read and save ones that you wants reference again later. I mean, it was pretty amazing. But you have all these different things, the addition of Instagram and, you know, periscoping, all these different things layering on top of each other. It's like, what's Kelly's favorite (laughs) phrase that she always uses? The new media landscape, I think she says. 
<laughs> exactly. I, so I don't think blogging is dead, but I think it is certainly different than what it was in 2006 and 2009 when you and I started. Yeah. But it's not dead. At least that's my humble opinion. <laughs> you know, as, like, as a person who's still actively blogging. Yeah. I think as long as people are still being creative and innovative and passionate about their thing, whatever their thing is, I think there's definitely still space for that energy in the blogging medium. It may look different than it used to, but it is still an important part of definitely of our online lives. So so one thing that I would say to anybody who is thinking about wanting to create a central hub for themselves online besides their personal Facebook or something is to, to truly consider what are your strengths that you want to play up to. And for some people, they just have it in themselves that they just have to write. And writing is the truly best way that they can communicate. And, you know, blogging or book writing is perfect for you in that aspect. And then there's people who feel better when they're speaking, you know, on their feet and perhaps YouTube or Periscope, Facebook Live would be a really great way for you to showcase your personality. And you don't necessarily need to have the blog to support those things for you. Or maybe you're really into photography and then you're, you can have Instagram be your main thing. Blogging doesn't have to be the main thing anymore. And I think the key is to figure out what are your strengths and which main thing best feeds into that. And, you know, a true confession for me here is that I'm trying to figure that out because when I started my blog, well, blogging was the main thing. It was the only option. And now that I've done Periscope and I'm doing podcasting and I have found it is so much easier for me just to open up a microphone and talk than it is for me to open up my <laughs> laptop and write. I'm like, but, but, but now what do I do? <laughs> Right. <laughs> now, what do I do with my poor blog? So that that would be my advice to anybody is, you know, just pick your strength and play to it and go for it and enjoy it and have fun. Yeah. Yeah. There's room for all of us and there's a medium for all of us. So I think that's great advice. Well, Rebecca, I know people are going to want to follow up this conversation on social media with us. So remind us where we can find you all around the web. Well, where my blog is not dead, you can find me <laughs> at simplyrebecca.com. And then I am literally at Simply Rebecca everywhere on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Periscope, all, all the, the places. places. <laughs> All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find the show on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. Come visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Okay. And just one last reminder, do not forget to go over to sortaawesomeshow.com slash survey to take the survey. It will only take a few minutes and it will help us out so much. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. And we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffert, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at sortaawesomeshow.com, where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at progermusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.